Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Please be seated in the house of God. Open your Bible to Isaiah chapter number four. I'm going to read one verse. Matter of fact, if we can put it on the screen, I want to read it together. Isaiah four and six. Here we go. One, two, three. And there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a cover from storm and from rain. Somebody say there. There There has to be a there. There has to be a there. The Bible says, there shall be a tabernacle. There shall be a place. There. There always has to be a there. No matter where you are in your walk with God, there was a there in your life where it all started. There was a place where God met you or you met God or whatever the legal way to say it is. Your whole life changed. Matter of fact, you actually stepped out of death into life. One of the biggest challenges that I believe the body of Christ has, I mentioned a little bit of it at first service, one of the biggest challenges that I believe the body of Christ has and one of the biggest areas that the church has actually missed it, in my opinion, is we treated, we treated Christianity as a decision instead of a conversion. In other words, in other words, we got all these, the, the young people, and it doesn't matter what generation it is. Every group or generation that comes up wants something to live and or, if necessary, die for. To live and to die for. Everybody deep on the inside of you, there is something that you want to commit your whole life to. And if it costs you everything, you would gladly give it. This is why the only way that God could restore humanity was he had to do something that involved his family. He had to send his son because I can see you mama bears out there and you might look mild mannered. You might look like you wouldn't hurt a fly. But if somebody messed with one of your babies... If somebody turned crazy... I remember one time... Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Never mind. I wasn't sure I could tell that story without cuss words, and I know how y'all are. I don't want to, I don't want any cuss words out here because as soon as I start telling cuss words, Brian's gonna start cussing on the front row, and I can't have that. <laughs> you mama bear, I know how y'all are. I know exactly how y'all are. I remember one time, Crystal, when we were pregnant with our first baby, we were in Target. Anybody ever been in Target? We were in Target, and a witch walked up. He said, how do you know she's a witch? Because she said, I'm a witch. He said, that sounds crazy, maybe to you. But we, when we're around people that flow in the demonic, it's like we glow in the dark. This witch walked up. And I don't know if y'all ever met Crystal. Crystal's pretty laid back. Matter of fact, she's super laid back. She, she's a great yin to my yang. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> She, she's like, she's like calm when everything else is, is, is hostile. She's just calm. She's cool. She's like the other side of the pillow. But this witch walked up and she says, I'm a witch. And I don't know about you, but I consider 
you know, I consider if somebody else is going to make the situation uncomfortable, I'm just as comfortable making them uncomfortable. So they sat there and they said, hello, I'm a witch and I see that you're pregnant. I'm like, shocker. Wow. Amazing. You can tell that somebody's nine months pregnant. You must have a gift. And she walks up. She says, I'm a witch. She said, I just wanted you to know. I'd like to communicate with your baby. And she sticks her hands out and starts to touch Crystal's stomach. And I'm sitting there going, where is the machete section of Target? Amen. Scripture says, touch not my anointed, do them no harm. But if, I mean, if you're going to be a witch, you're going to put your hands on somebody. Praise the Lord. So I'm sitting there thinking, what am I fixing to do? And all of a sudden, Crystal takes this step back, but it wasn't a retreat step. It was one of those steps that only a boxer knows. Because sometimes it looks like you're taking a step back, but you're actually just loading up. Know what I'm talking about? So we're in Target, and this witch walks up and says, I'd like to communicate with your baby. And she takes her hands and does it all goofy looking, you know, makes it all. And she's like, she like starts to go like this towards Crystal's stomach. And Crystal said, you won't touch me. You won't communicate with my baby. This baby is washed in the blood of Jesus. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. And nothing you could say could ever affect me or my offspring in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I put everything away that I was thinking about dealing with. Because you mamas, y'all are a different breed. You start messing with your offspring, you start finding out what a mom can actually do. So when the Lord wanted to rescue humanity, he knew that if he sent his own son, come on somebody, there's nothing that he would not do for his own son. That's why it had to be this way. The Bible says seed time and harvest will exist as long as earth remains. The Bible says you reap whatever you sow. He sowed a son and got back sons and daughters in an almost innumerable amount. It's the way of it. But for you and for me, there has to be a there. There has to be a place where somebody can actually be set free. There has to be something that changes. And the world is filled. Nobody wants to talk about it. But the world is filled with people that do not serve God. And it doesn't mean that, that, and I teach my children this, there's not good people and bad people, there's people. People do good things and people do bad things. Even Christians do good things and Christians do bad things. Even people that don't believe in Jesus do good things. And some do bad things. A person is not what they do. A person is who God says they are. And when you become a Christian, you're still a person. God does not pull your ability to lie out of you. He does not pull your ability to cheat and to steal out of you. On the exact contrary, you still have the ability to do all these things. The difference is... Everything has passed away and now you are a new creature. You're not what you were. You're a different thing. So for you and for me, if you're new to our church, you're coming in an amazing season because we're about to rise up and build a new building that's going to cast a bigger shadow and that shadow is going to be a place of refuge. It's going to be a place of cover from storm and rain and it's going to be for people just like you because if you want to know what God's thinking about all the time, I'll tell you, it's really no secret. 
people. More than anything else that he's thinking about. He's thinking about people. He's never not thinking about people. He let his son die on a criminal's cross for the sake of rescuing people. We're not building a building so that we can stand in a taller building. We're building a building, a new building, so that we can cast a bigger shadow, therefore having a bigger place of refuge. Because if the church has missed it in any area, and I'm not here to issue an indictment on the body of Christ. I'm just here to point out what I think is plain to see. We talk about Christianity as if it's a decision. And then oftentimes on Sunday morning, all you hear about is salvation. And sooner or later, Christians get bored hearing the same thing that you've already been through. Because salvation is like a wedding is to a marriage. It is the starting point. But if you don't work on the marriage, the wedding doesn't mean anything. The wedding is a moment. The marriage is what has value and should have a lifetime of effort. So what happened is the body of Christ gets up and they tell a a, a cute poem on a Sunday morning. And then they give an altar call. And everybody that feels far from God lifts their hands or stands to their feet or comes to the front, whichever flavor of church it is. And the reality is, is it's a significant portion of people that were there last Sunday and did the same thing last Sunday and the Sunday before. And if not, then three months ago. And sooner or later, somebody's got to wake up and say, listen, you might have made a decision, but have you been converted? I don't want an easy life. I want a life that's worth it. I don't want to die and get to heaven. Let me tell you, there's going to be some people that are shocked when they get to heaven because they're going to get there and they're going to come out and they're going to see their mansion. They're going to be like, man, this place is awesome. And they're going to see that everything's beautiful and the sun doesn't have to rise or, or, or fall there because Jesus light the city. And they're going to go, you know what? I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to do some witnessing. And they're going to walk out of their mansion door and they're going to walk, walk on it. We don't know if the sidewalks are gold. We know the streets are gold. Maybe the sidewalks are gold. I'm going to assume they're gold. They start walking on the golden sidewalks of Glory Avenue and they decide they're going to go witness for people so they've got all these tracks that they've printed on holy parchment up in heaven that talk about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and every person they walk up to they say excuse me, do you have a minute I'd like to talk to you about the Lord and they're like sure, talk to me about the Lord and they say have you met Jesus and as soon as they say the name Jesus on all of Glory Avenue an incredible praise break is going to break out and the person that they're talking to, they say, do you know Jesus? They're going to say, yeah, I know Jesus. You're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's seated right over there next to the right hand of the Father. He made intercession for you and me. It's amazing. And then the person that walked out of their mansion is going to be frustrated and say, where's the rough part of town? I want to find some people that aren't saved. And they're going to say, well, well, where can I find some unsaved people? And the person on the sidewalk that they're talking to is going to be confused. You say, what are you talking about? Everybody here knows him. Well, 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 I'll tell you what I want to do. He said that believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Find me some sick people. And the person on the sidewalk that they're talking to is going to go, are you nuts? Nobody here is sick. Well, find me somebody who's hurt in their heart because Jesus, he's nearest to the brokenhearted and I can pray for them and he'll, he'll wipe every tear from their eye. He goes, there's no tears up here. 
And in a moment, the person who walked out of their mansion on the sidewalk of Glory Avenue is going to realize everything they could have done for God. They missed their opportunity because they were waiting. They thought one day, one day, one day. When does one day become today? When are you tired of a yo-yo life? I'm hot for God, I'm cold for God. I'm hot for God, I'm cold for God. I'm hot for God, I'm cold for God. When are you tired of yo-yo Christianity? When are you gonna decide, though he slay me, yet will I serve him? When are you gonna decide, if I have to give my entire life, my only regret is that I just have one to give? Because I'm going to tell you something right now. In America, America has looked like the version of America that you've lived in. But we have no assurance that America is going to look like anything in the next 10 years, let alone the next 30 years. And if you don't prepare your children. If you don't prepare your children. For what it might cost them to lift up the name of Jesus, they will not be ready. I've been places where they will shoot you if you lift up the name of Jesus. I've been places where they laugh at you if you're a Christian. I've been places where they consider you a hostile enemy if you consider Jesus Christ the redeeming Lamb of God. And those places are getting closer. This is not a Democrat thing. This is not a Republican thing. This is, we're not stupid. And we can see that life is changing. The earth is groaning. And it's waiting on the revealing or the manifesting or the manifestation of the sons of God. Because when we decide, you know what? I'm going to give my whole life. I tell my kids, if we end up in a ditch, it'll be us and Jesus in a ditch. So praise the Lord. Because people want to give their life for something. I love the song. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He Washed it white as snow. When you realize he really paid it all, it was religion that expected us to not be willing to do the same. You say, what do you mean? You mean I might die? I'm not telling you I want to die. I'm going to make it to 120. I'm just telling you I've already decided He said, this sounds crazy. Sitting in a church, we're going to go eat fried chicken as soon as this is over. Well, maybe that's the problem with the American church. Maybe we got too passive and all of a sudden we let intellectualism and secularism sneak in to where you can't tell the difference between a person that serves God and a person that doesn't serve God because the only way to find out is they must be dissected under a microscope when he said you would know who a Christian is by how they love one another. Maybe that's the problem with the church as a whole. Maybe we've gotten just too complacent. What if you got so radical on your street that everybody on your block knew you were a Christian? 
What are we keeping a secret? What, what are we stopping from sharing? You say, well, it's uncomfortable. The same thing I tell my kids. You better get comfortable being uncomfortable. Picture Peter fixing to walk on the water. Who's he going to ask directions from? John? Andrew, how do I do it? They ain't never done it. You're supposed to be doing stuff you've never seen done. You're supposed to be doing stuff. You're supposed to be doing stuff you've never seen anybody do. I didn't see my dad do it. I didn't see my uncle do it. I didn't see my mom do it. I didn't see my aunt do it. Then praise the Lord. You get to be the spearhead that goes through, that drags everybody else through the same thing. What, what happens if you get radical? It don't take all of us. It was 11 men. God flipped the whole world upside down. The guys thought it was about having 12 and you never hear his name again outside of Acts chapter number one. When they lost Judas, they got together and they started rolling dice trying to figure out who the next apostle's gonna be. And God's up there going, y'all are crazy, I already got one. Y'all hadn't met him yet, but I've already got one because what you can see is not what's always happening. It doesn't take all of us. It doesn't take every Christian on the planet. I watched Reinhard Bonnke declare Africa shall be saved and millions of people look like an ocean of people would fill hillsides and countries and fill uh, uh, fields and pastures so much that they had lights and they had sets of speakers, sometimes over a million people in one meeting. They would bring dead bodies, limp bodies and lay them on the stage and the body would come back to life. How come I never saw that on the news? Are you crazy? I don't care which news you like. It probably doesn't work for King Jesus. The last thing the world wants is for the church to be alive. Because when we're alive, we can't be bought. I feel like I'm walking on demons. <laughs> I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm walking on demons this morning. Bunch of complacent, limp-wristed Christians. I remember, thank God for opportunity, I guess. But when everything hit, I started getting all these calls. I said, oh, you're not going to believe this. They're giving out these loans and they're gonna, they're just gonna, they're gonna make them go away. I said, so we're gonna get a loan, but then they're gonna forgive it. They said, as a loan, but they're gonna forgive it. I said, okay. I'm not saying anybody's wrong or did anything different than this. But I asked the Lord, I said, what is this? He said, well, it seems like something the government's doing. I said, I don't need the government to bail out the house of God. The kingdom of God doesn't need man's government. The same guys called me, told me that, they, that I should take it or the same guys that took it and are still having problems. They said, how y'all doing? I said, better than last year. But it's a pandemic. I said, and not in heaven. They said, well, we think you ought to take it. I said, well, I'm not taking anything. We don't need the government to bail us out. 
God bless everybody that works in government. I'm not talking about any one person or a political party. I think it's a great thing. But I'm just telling you, as for this house, they said separation from church and state. We took it serious. That's why you haven't heard me talking for the last six months about who you should vote for. That's man's business. This is God's business. Do I, do, did I vote? Of course I voted. Who did I vote for? Your mama. Should I sing again, Jesus faded all? Would that, would that get us back to holiness quick? The man that just said that buried his wife this year. The man that just said that's good, Pastor, buried his wife this year. I spoke at her funeral. I watched people give their life to Jesus Christ at her funeral. That man would lay his life down a thousand times for his king. It wasn't a week, maybe two, before he was back bringing his two little children to the house of God. We stand in front of an altar, in front of a man or woman of God, and declare our love for our spouse, and we say, until death do us part, and for whatever reason, we never make that same declaration to our king. And we teach it like it's a decision, and then we wonder why people are floundering, and every Sunday morning looks the same. Not here, thank you, Jesus, but it looks the same. And Christians get bored because there's only so many ways you can tell the story of salvation because it's treated like the end when it's only the beginning. You're called to represent him here. I was texting with a friend of mine this week. He said, What do you think about this scripture? I said, I think it's awesome. It was a supernatural part of the Bible. He said, how come we don't talk about it more? I said, well, a lot of people aren't comfortable with the supernatural. He wasn't talking about us talking about it. He was just talking in general terms. He said, people are uncomfortable with the supernatural. The reason they're uncomfortable with the supernatural is because if the, if the supernatural world is real, you got two choices. You either walk in it or stick your head in the sand. I just wade in. We talk, about, we talk about the cross of Calvary, not here, a lot of places, like it's the only thing, and then the rest of the Bible is read as if it's a fable because there's no expectation with it. And if there's no expectation, God doesn't do it. That's just the way it works. If you don't believe it, it's not happening. <laughs> if you don't believe it, it's not happening, then you'll be like, I knew that wasn't real. It's like, no, it's real. You just don't believe it, so you're not experiencing it. I've come home and had angels put messages on my window. Spooky. I'm telling you, there's depths. There's depths to God. You can't go back. If I told you the story of my parents, some of the stuff they've gone through... And you might ask, why don't you tell these stories more often? Because we don't magnify the attempts the devil makes on our lives. We magnify the fact that the king of all glory is coming back and we have work to do. I'm not going to wake up one day and be in heaven and try to win souls. 
It's too late. You're going to be walking around and there's going to be some people and they're going to be wearing some well-done shirts. And I ain't talking about how they like their steak. Come on, somebody. They're going to be like, how do I get one of those shirts? They said, oh, it's too late for that. What's done is done. Because, because we, we present him as if he's an option. We say, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? When the reality is if they don't know him, they're already on their way to hell. So it's not like we're asking them, do you want to go to hell? Everybody says no to that. It's not, it's not a poll. It's a rescue mission. He said, we need a place that's a shadow. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 13, I'm going to read quickly. Matthew chapter number 13. I have so much going on in my spirit right now. Matthew 13, verse 14. And in them it's fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, Isaiah, which is the same as saying Isaiah or Isaiah, depending on where you're from, which says, by hearing you shall hear and not understand, seeing you shall see and not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes have been closed. Somebody say closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their hearts, understand with their heart, see with their eyes, hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes. Somebody say, that's me. me. For they see and your ears for they hear. Somebody say, that's me. me. So he said, the problem is people can't, their eyes are closed so they can't see. So what they need is their eyes opened. The problem is they hear, but they don't hear because their ears are dull. Anybody in here ever have kids? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I got a dog. This dog, he drives me nuts. His name's Hank, all right? We call him Hank the Couch Dog. And he's, a, he's what they call a Jack Russell Terrier or what they call hard-headed. And, and it's crazy. If you have, it doesn't matter. You could have a grain of rice in your fingers. If he thinks it's food, you can tell him, sit, stay, turn around, lay down, go get in your bed, get up, stay, turn around, jump, bark, growl, empty the dishwasher. He'll do it. But if he doesn't see any food, all of a sudden his ears go dull. You're like, sit. He's like, why? <laughs> Stay. He's like, no. Because <laughs> his ears go dull. That's the way society is. We're not mad at him. It's just the way it is. Society's eyes are closed. Why are their eyes closed? You know, let me just tell one story. It's already 12, 17. We'll be out of here by three. Uh, <laughs> you can tell where the, the saints are. <laughs> They're like, whoo! We got the saints over here. <laughs> this is the new crowd. They're all like, did that brother just say three o'clock? Mildred, get your purse. <laughs> Who in here has kids? Just wave at me. Because if you don't have kids, I mean, you'll understand this. But it's really going to hit home if you have a child. We got three so far. And we, we like, we, when they're little, I don't know if you remember this. You remember when you used to take them to the movies? Like, 
I remember when we first had Haley. That's our first one. She and Aaron. Good. We would take her to the movies, and, and like the first few times we tried, Crystal ended up like watching the movie through the hole in the door and the hall, just rocking the baby, because the baby, when the baby wants to cry, the baby's going to cry. All you new parents out there, I just want you to know, sometimes you can be doing everything right, and the baby can still be crying. That's a real revelation. I want you guys to know that. That's, that's like a true story. That's how they communicate. I remember we had, we had one of our babies at a well, uh, well child visit with a doctor. doctor's a good friend of mine. And we're sitting there. How's the baby look? Said, oh, man, great. And measure this, measure that. Look in the ear, look in the nose, all the stuff they do. I said, well, let me just ask you this, doc. I said, sometimes like 3 o'clock in the morning, this baby cries. And I swear we can't figure out what it is. What do you think is going on? He goes, well, let me look at her again. And he looks her over. He goes, oh, there it is. That's a baby. <laughs> I said, is that what I'm paying for, Doc? Is that, is, that what, is that what you went to medical school for, praise the Lord? But then they started getting a little older, and we started going to the movies a little bit more often, which we kind of enjoy, depending on what the movie is. And, and we got to where we go to what they call a matinee, which is fancy for movie in the daytime. And we would go, we'd take the kids in, and this is the same kid that, you know, you go to put them in, the, in a car seat, and, and they turn into, into uh, 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 perfectly cooked pasta in your arms. Just, just flop. Just, come on, let's get in your car seat. Here we go. Like, can you grab that other, can you grab that other strap? It's right behind you there. And they're like, I don't feel it. I don't know where it is. I'm like, what? I give you a little cup full of goldfish. And you can eat them with your eyes closed, blindfolded, with one hand tied behind your back, but you can't grab a seatbelt? You little offspring, you? Then you get to the movie theater, you got all three of them, you're like, all right, babe, here's what we're going to do. I said, we're going to go up there. I said, I'll go to the thing. I said, I'm going to take this one kid with me to go to the, go to the, the, the cashier, or to the, to the uh, what do they call where you get the food? Thank you. And as you get to go, I'm go to that place. And then you go on in and you get our seats back before you reserve the seats. Because when you're a family of five, it's kind of important to you to get there and, you know, reasonable amount of time so that you can all sit together if it's a popular movie. So we would get in, we'd be going, and I'd be taking, like, say, for my son, for instance, I'd take him in. I'm like, hey, man, now this is the same guy. I had trouble reaching that, that seat belt behind him. And I'd be like, hey, we're going to get some stuff. And they used to have these things that would be like a little pack of popcorn. They put the, it was like a box. And they put the popcorn, and then they would put the, the, some gummy worms, and then it would take some Coke, and they would put a Coke in there and, and be like, hey, can you carry this? And he's like, yeah, I can carry this. I'm like, wait a minute. You couldn't reach a seat belt, but you can carry a 32-ounce Coke filled up to the top with no lid on it? How's that going to happen. He goes, easy, dad. Puts it on his head, starts walking like he's on National Geographic. I'm like, are you sure you got it? He's like, I got it. No problem, dad. I'm like, well, you want some M&Ms? He's like, yeah. I said, well, can you carry those too? He says, sure. I'm like, I think you guys have been pulling something over on me. Get into the room where the movies are. We used to go to church in a movie, so my kids would always walk in and be like, we're going to church? Be like, yeah, we're going to church. I love my church. We watch movies in church. Praise the Lord. They go, and they got the, they got the, the, the booster seats. The booster seats are awesome until the chair folds up, and they just get stuck in it like that. It always happens when they're far away from you. So they would get there, and they would, they would put their own booster seat in. They'd sit there, they'd sit there, and the little box of popcorn was perfect because it was a deal. It was like $762 per kid. 
And then the lights would go down and something would start called the previews or in our family called the close your eyes. Because as soon as the preview start, it would be some crazy thing come out. And it's like, do they not know we're here to watch like a kid movie? And Crystal's like, that's what kid movies look like nowadays. I'm like, what? Okay. So we survived the previews. You sit there. Maybe you're fortunate enough that there's not many people in the movie theater. And if you go to the movie in the daytime, a lot of times that'll happen. And almost without exception, somebody's going to walk in right as the previews are over. And you're like, oh, man, I thought we might have the theater to ourselves. And they come in, and you can tell they got some rambunctious kids. You know the kind I'm talking about. And they make that turn around the thing, and they start walking up the stairs. And immediately, you start praying in tongues. You're just believing God that they would pass the row behind you. And as if it was ordained by the heavens, they turn in right behind your chair. And you think there's 22 seats across this aisle. Oh, God, don't let one of those kids sit behind me. And they're walking, popcorn just flying everywhere when they're walking. They sit behind you, and one of them says, can I sit here, Mom? And you instinctively say, no. Sure enough, mom says, that's perfect, hon. For the rest of your movie, you're eating popcorn like this. But you're having to be careful because maybe they go to New Heights Church. Matter of fact, I've been to Kids Church. I'm pretty sure they probably do go to New Heights Church. You're sitting there eating the popcorn getting kicked the whole time. You're torn between should I say something or should I not say something because it's perfectly reasonable to say something, but it's perfectly not reasonable for somebody to say something to your kid. Makes perfect sense when you say it to them. But they say it to you, you start feeling feeling an unction. Are you talking about my child? He's only 14. (laughs) Leave him alone. Oh, you're the world's perfect parent, aren't you? Look at you sitting there with your popcorn and your booster seat kids. And then no exception, the movie's about to be over and the hero's about to ride in, about to have the final conflict. And all of a sudden, one of your kids leans over and says, I need to go to the bathroom. And you were thinking the whole time, at least I'll get to see a movie out of the deal. And now the only five minutes of the movie that matters, you got to head to the restroom. But if you're smart, you can do what I do. I FaceTime Crystal and I said, just point it at the screen, babe. And I walk with the kids watching the movie. And I go into the restroom and say, all right, finish up, buddy. Finish up. And then he finishes up. And then as he's washing his hands, the good guy wins. I'm like, yes. And then somebody says, what are you shouting about? I'm like, oh, my son's just good at washing his hands. Praise the Lord. Go back in, gather everybody up. And it's time to leave. And you're headed out. But instead of going through the main lobby area, you don't. You go through the hallway. And then something happens. 
You go to open the door and it feels like 7,000 sunshines are shining through the crack in the window. Your children's, they don't walk out of the door. They fall out of the door. I can't see. I can't see. And you're feeling on the ground for Braille to try to find out where your car is because it's gotten so bright and you realize in a moment your eyes are closed. You sat in the dark so long that the light caused you to have to close your eyes. And the only thing you can do to see is to create some type of shadow that allows you to see just a little bit. See, there's people in this region, there's people beyond that their eyes are closed and it's not because they want them to be closed. It's because the rays and the formidable rays of life and the existence on planet earth has caused them to have to close their eyes because if they stood in that light too long, it would blind them. Which is why there has to be a place There has to be a there, a shadow in the daytime. Come in, sit down, open your eyes, because if you can open your ears and open your eyes and understand with your heart, you can be converted. And if you are converted, you can be healed. And if you can be healed, then you can be used. And the greatest prize of all humanity is not a house, it's not a car, it's not 10 cars, it's not 10 houses. The greatest prize on the face of the earth is to be used by God. Haggai chapter 2, verse 3. Don't turn there for the sake of time. I'll just tell you. The scripture says, Who is left among you that remembers, that remembers this house and saw it in her first glory? Then it says, How do you see it now? Do you remember what the house of God meant to you the day you got delivered? Do you remember what the house of God meant to you the day he reminded you how much he actually loves you? Every time I see somebody in town, they stop me and say, my God, you were preaching right to me. And all I'm saying is I'm just reading the Bible out loud. But there has to be a place where that can happen. For us, sure for us. But I think equally, if not more importantly, for the thousands and thousands who haven't heard, who haven't seen, that they might find a place where maybe they could just barely get to the parking lot and their eyes are blinded by what they're dealing with, but they can step into a shadow and open their eyes and see the one who set us all free. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
We are free. And the one who set us free said we can be free indeed. And it starts with open ears and open eyes. And an environment that blocks the harmful rays that have caused them to close. He said, he said, who is left among you that saw the house in her first glory and what is it in your eyes now? You know, I'm reminded, First Chronicles 29, King David says it like this. He said, I set my heart on the house of my God. One of the things I despise is daylight savings. I think we should just leave the clocks alone. I don't like it getting dark at one o'clock in the afternoon. But we go along to get along. And no matter how good your clock is, twice a year minimum, it must be reset. That's what the prophet was saying in Haggai 2. I know what you thought when you first came. But what do you think now? We have an opportunity here, church. To set our heart on the house of God. To build him a tabernacle that casts a shadow that thousands upon thousands can come to and be saved and filled and set free and forgiven. And changed and their whole family changed. This is such a big week. Here's what I'm going to do. Every morning at 11 a.m. this week, Monday through Saturday, I'm going to do a live stream on our social medias. I may have a guest or two with us too, but we're going to talk about a bigger shadow. We're going to pray and we're just going to continue to believe God and to stretch our faith. To see what he would have us do. To see what type of a large launch offering and what type of a 12-month commitment above our tithes and offerings that he'd have us do. Because at the end of this thing, we need a bigger shadow so that more people can come in and open their eyes. When we bought this place, it was in 2015. Almost right now. I believe it was September or October when we closed. 2015. It was a stretch, like, it was just a stretch. It's all I can tell you. It was like, only God could do it. But our property is about a little over five acres. And the project we're doing right now, the bigger shadow, we're going to de- fully develop the five acres. We're going to bring utilities from all over. It's going to be, it's going to be a significant, significant, significant undertaking. Could cost as much as $6 million. Six million dollars divided into how many chairs we believe we're going to have? 836 potentially. That number hopefully will go up. Could go down a tick. We're hoping it's going to go up. Comes out to about seven thousand dollars a chair. My first thought would be, well, what's the value of a soul? Would I pay seven thousand for a soul? Yeah. Would I pay 7000 for my family? Yeah. Ten times that. A hundred times that. 
without even thinking about it. And I'm excited to do my very best as the Lord leads me. But I was reminded, it was five years ago we bought this place. We paid $1.5 million for it. Which at the time could have just as well been $150 kajillion. Because we didn't have hardly anything. And I was, Pastor Matt and I were talking the other day. And we were trying to remember exactly how many seats were in this auditorium before we redid everything. One of us said he thinks it was 75. The other one said maximum 85. So I'll just take the average. There was about 80 chairs in here. 1.5 million divided by 80. We paid over $18,000 a seat. Can I ask you a question? Was it worth it? Was it worth it for your family to have a place? Was it worth it to come and experience the presence of God? I think so. But now we have a chance to at a level that maybe this region's never seen. And I'm not comparing us to anybody else because our adversary is the devil and nobody else. But maybe that this region's never seen. We've gone through many tests. We've had opportunities to turn and we just chose not to. Thank you, Jesus, for your power. And I believe that what we're coming into is greater than anything any of us have ever seen or been a part of. But the question is, was it worth it? I I would say a thousand times yes. So to rise up and build a bigger shadow, you say, is it worth it? I say a thousand times yes. You say, how are we going to do it? We're going to rise up. We're going to seek God. And then when he tells us what to do, we're just going to do it. And then we're going to see this region changed. And then we're going to go and take other cities. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.